Hello and welcome to episode 446 of the Awesome Comics Podcast, a place where the small press makes one hell of a big noise. My name is Vince Hunt and joining me as always is the creator of the comic series Vanguard, Dan Butcher. Hello. And a man who got his powers from a radioactive batch of falafel, it's Tony Esmond. Yeah, falafel, I'm very fond of it. Yeah, bring that joke back. That hasn't been used in about five years. I say that all the time at work and nobody pulls me up. What, falafel? I think they just think I'm a bit simple. Either that, or you said the joke so much they're like it's Tony being Tony. Probably, yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't repeat jokes. Yeah, we. No, no, no. <laughs> if you were telling jokes in the office and they start rolling your eyes, it's time to change the shtick. And... <laughs> I double down that point. Really, no, just make, yeah. it, really make, it, make it more offensive, or just do something completely. Do not out of whack, so they don't know. Welcome to the show, everyone. Please Welcome. do not take anything two we, guests uh, as our <laughs> as don't take anything that we say as hosts as life advice because <laughs> you, it's just not good. Um, but if you do want to hear us talk about comics, then you're in the right place. Yeah, because um, we've got a good show for you this week. We're going to be t- talking to two fantastic writers that um, yeah, uh, good lads. A crowdfunding project. You should really get on board. Um, mm. sort of came across I, I said it in the interview but I'm going to say it again um, came across our desks because that makes us sound professional doesn't it when we say yeah. stuff like that um, of the book Copycat Copycat what but I, I downloaded this episode thinking it was all about Copycat Comics <laughs> clickbait hey. you again um, <laughs> no in all seriousness we are talking about the upcoming book Copycat by uh, Cullen Bunn and Heath Modio and uh a bunch of great creators and it's available on Zoop at the moment but we'll get into that very very shortly um, but we do also have some interesting topics to talk about a bit later and a bunch of great books um, there may be a bit of interesting chat about crowdfunding this week yeah that takes place in the interview doesn't it which yeah. was interesting because we were going to talk about it otherwise but there's yeah. an interesting angle that's coming up we, we saw it mentioned by Jimmy Palmiotti today yeah, on Twitter and it, we address it with the two guests who, who, who speak very well about it actually, very yes. interesting yes, yeah. yes I tell you what, before, before people listen to us ranting uninformed like a bunch of backseat drivers about comics should we uh, talk to some people who actually know what they're talking about? let's do yeah. it yeah, why not? Yeah. so here's the interview with uh, Cullen Bunn and Heath Amodio okay then folks, this week we are very pleased to be joined by not one but two writers, two writers. They're going to actually tell us how to actually. The write people who do the hard bit. Are, the, the, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a writer talking. <laughs> uh, they are the duo behind uh, Hustle and Hearts films and the writing team behind the upcoming book Copycat. Currently campaigning on Zoop. Welcome to the show, Cullen Bun and Heath Modio. Welcome, gents. Thanks for having us. Yeah, pleasure. Thank, Thank you. Uh, pleasure, guys. Good yeah. to have you on. Yeah, nice yeah. Um, we have had um, a little preview of this book that arrived on our desk. What was it like the first 25 pages? I think we've read, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, about Copycat, which, listeners, this is, um, if you're not aware of it, this is a book you need to put on your radars and. Going back. Going yeah. back. Yeah. Um, so, and we're going to get into the weeds of what the book is about and the collaboration process, etc. But let's start, I, I, it's going to scare you when I say right at the very beginning, cause, because that sounds like when I was five. Um, but um, how did this sort of um, collaboration between like you guys and eventually ending up on Zoop sort of begin? 
as far as our collaboration as a whole or the book itself Com- well, i think we start yeah. with as a whole yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. think so um i took a shot and reached out to colin and told him i had an idea that i'd like to pitch him and uh i say this all the time for whatever reason he decided to hit me back and uh you know we kind of just sparked creatively and uh Together we formed Hustle and Heart Films, which, you know, the entire idea was to allow creators to have a little bit more input in how their books were adapted because, you know, there were a lot of horror stories, especially yeah. back in 2018. And, um, you know, so we managed to sell two shows our first year and then a third the following. And we've just been rolling in that. And it started becoming uh, collaborations through comics. Um, you know, we have several books over at Oni. We have the Heathens that's been out from Aftershock and um you know now we have Copycat on on Zoop and Long Haul coming out from Storm King Comics in uh February, March. Cool. So did what? you know each other nice. before the letter, did you Heath or before you wrote to him? No, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and you know he says he wrote, you know, he wrote to me and said, "Hey, I've got an idea I want to pitch." And it, he did. He had an idea for for working together. But typically, I can't listen. Like if he did, if he would have messaged me and said, "Hey, I have an idea for a comic I want to write with you," I would have shut him down immediately because I can't. I can't. I can't. Typically, I can't talk to people I don't know mm. about. Yeah, there's things. all these rights issues type things going yeah. on. You mean? Yeah. Yeah, but he he approached it with, you know, I have a concept. I, I wish I had. The, I was. I just tried to look it up. I, I don't. I, I, it's not easily found. But uh, but uh, he basically approached with this this idea of him wanting to talk about a way of working together, but not necessarily at the time, at least, not as necessarily a you know a specific pro- a specific book or cons or, or comic or something so it wasn't like co-writers initially then then it was just no. a, a sort of, a collaboration in a, in a uniquely sort of different way i mean the thing that intrigues me well first firstly i love the fact that even though um with the film aspect and the adaptions and stuff that's always good to know but with that in mind i love hearing that there's so many more comics to yeah. come rather rather than like you know the media the media is all well and good but we we all love comics in this room, I, I believe. But where does that sort of like that initial letter go from that to setting up this sort of, you know, uh, this, business? Yeah, yeah, this business, this studio, mm. this this concept, and and then on onto the comics that you're creating. A lot of uh, phone, a <laughs> lot of phone calls over the next several several weeks after that, uh, just to figure each other out. You know. A lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, sort of brainstorming what we would want to do. Um, that's what I remember anyway. Okay. Yeah. Cause, I mean, I was working as a backroom manager at Barnes & Noble at the time. So it was trying to balance that with bringing in IP that I thought we could, you know, take out to buyers and developing those creatively with the writers to really make sure that the story remain true to their initial vision which is what keeps getting lost in a lot of these adaptations mm-hmm. um you know so it was a lot of discussion on on what we clicked to as far as other properties and uh one of the shows that we sold we actually created together and that's a book that will hopefully be coming out soon from oni 
Uh, it's an original graphic novel, um, you know, that we really had a lot of fun doing. Can you can and, you say uh, what that is, Heath? Or? Uh, I don't think I can name the title as okay, for you, okay, but uh, okay. what I can say is, you know, comics are always at the forefront yeah, and have always been what I was, you know, obviously hoping to achieve in working with Colin at some point. Um, cause you know, much like I'm sure you and your audience, like I'm, I still get down on the floor and look through the dollar bins for several <laughs> yeah, hours right. in, in the local stores. You know what I mean? So I still yeah. love the medium. Um, everything else is just kind of gravy. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. You comment. Sorry. No, you got, you got well, I mean, have you guys actually met yet, physically? Oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, I was wondering if it yeah, was one of these sort. Of... At this point, we've met several times. I'm, I mean, uh, we, you know, I, I travel a lot. We, we try to work it out where, uh, you know, I'm traveling to a convention that Heath's going to be at. So we've, you know, I was in New York a couple of times. I've met Heath, you know, on several trips to New York, and mm -hmm. Heath's come down, come down my way to attend conventions, and and we've, you know, been able to spend time during that. And then we've attended some conventions together, so we we've met several times at this point. Oh, are you um? Because uh, Heath, you're in New York, aren't you? But I'm guessing you used to be North Carolina, didn't you, Cullen? Is that right? Yes, I used to be. Never, not since Heath has known me, but yes, I, I so, I've lived. So I is, live is far from New York? Yeah. Be. So I'm going to say, is, is Heroes like a home con for you? Is it, or is that one you do? Uh, I do. I do Heroes. Um, as often as I can, um, but uh, you know I do conventions, uh, or you know it, not as many as I used to, but I do them all over the country. I mean, okay, man, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, prolific in terms of writing, Cullen. Mm. I, I think um, the You're pretty Bun... much written for everyone at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the mm. Cullen Bun name has been uh, this. I don't want to scare you, but your name has been mentioned a few times on this show before today. Um, in fact, um, recently the Midnight Show was a title that obviously um, I was a big fan of. Made it into our best of this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, so you're already you're you've got quite a lot of books on your plate. I'm guessing at at any given time. Um, is this sort of venture that? you guys are working on is that an avenue for you to to try some different concepts as well and like you know is it is it creatively sparking a different kind of um fuel for you yeah and it must be nice to collaborate with someone as well mm. well uh it, it, it you know it has pros and cons <laughs> <laughs> here we go here we go it's the end, it's the end. this is the end uh, yeah <laughs> you asked that question because he knows my feeling but uh, the thing, I, you know, you're right. It does allow me to, you know, do some different kinds of things. It, it allows me to to play in some different genre, not necessarily different genres, but different styles of stories. Mm. To you know, we've done a lot of books that I think are are not typical for what you would expect, you know, from you know from a publisher or or to to come out on the regular. So we've done some interesting books and and. He definitely has some interesting ideas that I really uh, that I really like, and yeah, I enjoy that side of the collaboration, the big idea collaboration. I love. Yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> every other part of collaboration, and this is nothing against Heath because this is with in almost every case. Uh, when it comes to co-writing, I'm the worst. 
Right. <laughs> I love that little twist because everyone was expecting a different answer. <laughs> yeah. But, but when you in the way in what way are you the worst though? There's lots of different ways to be yeah. annoying yeah. as I want well to. I don't yeah, I don't, you know, a lot of people and I think this is the this is the the misconception I think a lot of people have. Um co-writing is easy. It's easier than writing a comic on your own. And for mm. me, that is 1,000% opposite of truth. Right, I right. think co-writing is, is much more difficult. I think it takes more time. Um, so for me to do it, I have to really feel the project and, and really, really, because it is not, they are not easier projects yeah. for me. Is it more of a, a trust exercise between the two writers at the same time? Heath, do you trust me? <laughs> I, I think that's probably an asinine question. I mean, you know, I'm I'm the one who gets to work with Colin Bunt. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he's bringing fire whenever he hands back pages that you know that he's taking for the script. So there's no concern there. It's me trying to elevate my game so that you know the book doesn't fall off when it's my turn to, to hand in pages. So you know. That's what I love is it it forces me to you know to step up mm. and, and not only that but also maintain that that caliber of writing and I, I think it's definitely helped me um, you know over the last five years for sure. I mean mm. you know between working with Colin and and some of the other people that we get to collaborate with and having them express how my writing has changed, you know having Joe Lansdale say, hey man, you've got it like you no, guys are creators, right? You know, yeah. if a writer, some if a writer of that caliber tells you you can write, like you can take that to heart, yeah. And and you're like, oh, okay. So the last thirty plus years haven't been a complete waste of time, right? So <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I mean, as far as trust, I know it's a lot of Colin trusting me to to bring you know my best to the table. I mean, you know, it's never really in question when it's coming the other the other direction. Hmm. So how do you how do you divide I, that work up? You know, how do you say? Do you do the dialogue? Do you do the action? Do you take a character? Do you do this page? How do you, how's it divided? Well, I I do a lot of outlining for comics. For me, comic books are very outline oriented. Okay. Um, and and every every collaboration, you know, I've co-written a lot of comics, and they're always there. There've been I've I've tried it many different ways. I've tried it the way other collaborators like to do it. I've tried it where uh, you know, and, and just the way that works is we get on the phone or in the room together and we outline, let's say, an issue. And by that outline, I mean, basically, it's a it's a, a sentence, a page and on this page. This is going to happen. And on this page, this is going to happen. And then we kind you know, we break that down and then we take it and I, we kind of look at that outline and we say, Keith, are there any of these scenes that really sing to you that you really want to write? Okay. And then I decide the ones I really want to write, and we just break it out that way. And we each write our pages. So it might be Heath writing pages one through three, plus seven and eight, plus you know eleven and thirteen. You know, it could be it, the mix can be really broad. Mm. Um, and then we take those, we mash our pages back together, and we go through it one more time to make it look like we only wrote it once. Okay. And got the same voice, I guess, and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, that's pretty much how it breaks down, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and and I think the the fact that we're able to maintain the characters' voices throughout 
uh, you know, speaks to the ability to write together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's how specifically you've ca you've carried it out on Copycat, this current project. Yeah. That's that's how you've worked it. Yeah. Yes. That's, yeah. that's how we've that's how we worked on pretty much all of the comic stuff we've done together. But I'm going to say copycat slightly different because didn't the premise come from someone else? Yes. The, the idea of it. So right, how did that okay. come about? Um, I list. I binged uh, Todd Gardner's uh, podcast on producing film um, one day, and he's done some of my favorite movies like you know Tag and Sorcerer's Apprentice. He's responsible for the most recent Mortal Kombat, and uh, just listening to him interview you sound like somebody i wanted to work with and and i don't have any um kind of we um i'm having a brain fart i don't right. i don't yeah. mind reaching out to people you know yeah. what i mean it, it nothing really present or prevents me from doing that i don't really care how big a name you are i'll reach out to you so i reached out to todd and i said you know look i love what you do i'd love to work together uh, you know do you have any concepts that you think would work as a comic book and Colin and I can kind of work on that. And he sent me a one sheet and you never know what you're going to get right from people yeah. that don't write in yeah. this medium, but it definitely worked as a story that could work for comic books. So, you know, he basically, he had this idea of a nurse that could basically diagnose someone simply by touching them. Yeah. But as a result, she also takes on whatever pain or agony they're suffering at the same time. So, you know, it's it's a it's a double edged sword, yeah, so to speak. And he wanted like a really in, uh, involved mystery at the heart of, of the story, and then for it to, even though she kind of has powers, to not venture off into the MCU type aspect of superheroes. He wanted it very grounded, more like yeah. John Wick mm -hmm. or Atomic Blonde. Gotcha. So, you know, it was it was really let's focus on this character, this. ER nurse who's already a hero obviously with what she does but now she's an actual hero because you know she's thrust into this mystery and adventure where she's being hunted and all of this stuff but it all started from basically you know three or four par paragraphs from Todd and him trusting Colin and I to take that and, and kind of expand upon it I, I think um, what I like about it as well is when you say like um a normal person has these powers yeah you think oh i know what this concept's going to be we're going to go in this direction or you know you're going to have that sort of the spider-man-esque story or this kind of thing but then like the focus being like an er nurse and this this power as you say um at the crux of it which is both a boon and also a disadvantage, isn't it? You know, there's, there's layers to all the things that you put on the character. And I know, like, hearing that, that um, Todd had this idea. I, I've had a lot of ideas where I just think of something. I think, this character's got this. But what do I do with it? <laughs> what do I do with it? Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't do anything with this. Here's just this concept. Um, was it then, like, did you guys just brainstorm, okay, we from that we can... Because the story is getting bigger. Without any spoilers, folks, you're going to have to... Yeah. It for yourself but um mm. you know you've got that gem of the, of the character and then he was open to just sort of saying just go for your life in terms of creation yeah is he open to what you're going to do with mm. it in other words yeah yeah i feel like he was very open to it i i remember he now as i remember this and i'm 
I'm sure I heard about this project before this phone call, but All I remember right. I remember being at a, a coffee shop, <laughs> and he called me and wanted to talk through the this you know his, you know what he would do with with the story for copycat. It was called something different at the time. I don't remember what it was called, but it was originally called something besides copycat. But I remember. Uh, Heath calling me and running me through the story, and I must have sounded to the other people enjoying their coffee around me like a stark raving lunatic. <laughs> talking, about, talking about murderers and where I think the murderer would go and where I think the, you know, where I think what kind of, this is the, this is the power they would absorb. And, uh, you know, it, I must have sounded crazy, but I remember being in a coffee shop as we hashed that, uh, the initial storyline out. And then at some point we moved it to text messages, I believe, and started texting back and forth different ideas. Was that because um, you were getting funny looks wherever you went? Is that, is that right? <laughs> I, I'm used to it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Having read some of your books, Cullen, some of the you conversations go. you must have had in coffee shops must have been yeah, really dark. Been the, the dark arc phone <laughs> conversation. That would have been a dark whenever I, whenever, whenever I get those looks, I just glance over and I just say, it's all right, I'm an author. <laughs> see, see copycat's an interesting one because there are like you say vince there are definite definitive sort of layers to it but to me um i read it for the second time today and it really struck me that it's um it's a treatise it's almost like um a, a play on violence and the real life implications of violence because it, it's it's all about injury isn't it it's all about injury that are due to a violent act is that how how you see it at all, or? Yeah. yeah really... Go ahead, Colin. I was just say that's an important part of it, and how those and how those acts of violence um, leave scars, and not just physical scars. You yeah. know, and the scars that kind of that linger with you uh, in a number of different ways. Okay. Yeah. What do you reckon, Heath? I think it also comes down to, you know, at what point is doing right too painful a cost, right? Like, right. Yeah. So the more she does, the the more she inflicts upon herself. So, you know, it's like right at the hospital as the ER nurse, you know, when she diagnoses the first patient right out of the gate, she's sent home because she freaks everybody out. Like she saved the patient from exploratory sur or, um, surgery you know what i mean and and the doctor's possibly not diagnosing what the issue is but she also got sent home because of it so it's like you know she helped but if she doesn't have her position as a nurse is she hurting more people than helping by not being there not having that position so and then you can kind of equate that to trying to stop all these um attackers in real life and you know, at what point does it become too much to mm. to justify, you know, trying to do right? Yeah, because you got that do no harm element to him as a nurse. You know, she's she's almost like stepping over a line and doing harm now, isn't she? As well as part of the story. Yeah, I mean, to the right people. But... Exactly. I mean, it's never an offensive thing. It's much like the whole, you know, uh, the whole point of doing karate is mostly defensive, right? Like you're mm, not supposed right. to go and instigate fights, so it's never about starting something it's about defending herself and and others and you know trying to prevent them from hurting more people which you know is is technically what a nurse's job is right it's it's trying yeah. to protect the people that are in her er at that time 
it's also nice to see because we've we've hit this point where people are beginning to realize that being a nurse ain't easy you know uh, coming out of covid people realize what heroes these people are and to have the, yeah. her as a central character is a lovely little touch i think definitely it's it's even more personal because my sister's an ER nurse, okay. and you know she has been for about ten years now. So you know, it, knowing her personally and everything that she's had to deal with through COVID and and all of yeah. that, and the types of things she sees on a daily basis in the ER, uh, it's nice to be able to kind of bring a character that does the same thing she does to the to the forefront. Did okay, you uh, use her as kind of like a, a touch point to kind of? get that see those scenes in the hospital authentic i think it's easier to come at the character with a resounding amount of of respect mm. you know what i mean because having dealt with that in real life um she she's definitely like uh obviously uh, a a reference point right mm, you yeah. know like inspiration for the character for sure um you know i've i've asked just a little bit of, of as far as like storylines that could work as, as far as like what's an injury that would be very difficult to diagnose and you know would be also painful for her to inflict upon herself and you know she helped out with that mm. okay man and there's a lovely there's a lovely page in it which is like just a few panels of like just her being in the er um from pulling what looks like a straw or a pin out of a guy's forehead to being vomited on so it shows the bre- breadth of like you know that sort of day-to-day existence we've all been there haven't we <laughs> <laughs> but that it sounds also... like one night at the pub right <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah if you've ever been to cardiff oh. <laughs> but um that's also a good example of one of the narrative choices that you guys have with this which is the sort of self-narrator um, throughout, which is a popular um, aspect in comics, and some of our favourite comics um, yeah. use it. Um, is that? I mean, this it was especially handy for me, uh, and I think with a sort of a powered book um, to get the know to, to get to know the character is to almost be in their head. Do you think that was a an essential sort of writing direction that you wanted to do from the get go? You wanted to be you know, have the narration in her head as well as the action outside. I, I can't remember. Uh, if we did, I'm sure, I'm sure I fought against it, even if it was my idea, because, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think you're right. It's absolutely, it's, it's essential for this kind of story, or at least yeah. it, it, it helps this kind of story get along when you're really trying to convey a lot of information in a very concise, you know, the the yeah. the, the way a comic reads. Uh, but, and I've written so many self-narrated books, mm-hmm. and I hate it every time. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, I used to say it's like writing poetry. It's just difficult. You really have to get into this character's head and yeah. figure out, you're figuring out not just the voice they speak with, but their inner voice and those can sometimes be very different yeah. and uh, and reflect different things i think self narration again i use it a lot it's never easy to write ever okay why do you think why do you think that is because it's it is i would say almost predominantly it's one of the go to sort of narrative tools that a lot of especially a lot of indie writers or small press writers um i find myself thinking 
oh well this character it should all be from their perspective it almost seems like a shorthand doesn't it it's a shortcut to get to some narrative yeah i think we kind of think it's from our perspective as well in a way don't we when we write Mm -hmm. it you know some of my favorite like doug munch's master of kung fu did it for example brilliantly Mm -hmm. you know you are absolutely right it puts you in the role of the character in a much Mm -hmm. bigger way and some for some writers and maybe even for heath it may be very easy i don't think it's ever been easy for me um, and every time I do it, I finish the book and I say, I'm never doing that again. Right. And then I, Interesting. And then I do it again. You know, <laughs> um, I mean, but it puts you in the, it puts you in the character's head in a bigger way. You know, the thing that comics have kind of lost over the years were, you know, thought balloons. Yeah. And, very much so. Uh, yep. These narrator captions, uh, take the idea really kind of what you were getting out of thought balloons and just take them in a much deeper direction yeah you really dig in um and and you know i I don't know i miss thought balloons but i also have tried to write them and didn't enjoy writing them so okay (laughs) yeah yeah. i mean for me i think telling a story from a person's perspective with the inner dialogue it prevents you from having to find ways around that which yeah. usually becomes a bunch of exposition to kind of explain the story because you're not in their head. So it's like, you know, well, this is obviously how she'd be seeing this right now. And it just becomes bogged down in, in a lot of description. And, you know, I've even in like my prose work, um, I try to have as little description as possible. Like it's that Elmore Leonard thing, right? Where if it starts to sound like writing, get rid of it. Um, right. You know, so the, I think if you're able to speak from the character's perspective, it's a lot more direct. There's a, there's a limiting scope to it, isn't there? Because you can't drift between different scenes and different people and different things happening. It, it kind of has to be much more focused on that single character, doesn't it? Sometimes, or mm-hmm. I suppose you can use it on a couple of characters, but mostly it's one person, isn't it? I mean, you kind of you have to get them to that point, right? You have to get them yeah. to the point in every single room to tell the story because you're seeing it through their perspective. So yeah. I can see how that can kind of make things a little bit more difficult um, mm. as opposed to a third person where you can literally speak in anyone's voice. Yeah. Um, but I, I think as long as you're telling a concise story and it makes sense, I think you can use varying first person perspectives throughout a story right yeah if, i think if, as long as you maintain a, a specific rule yeah. throughout the entire tale that you're trying to tell and not jump back and forth to where it doesn't make any sense and you're clearly just looking for shortcuts i think if it makes sense for the story and plenty of writers have done it where you start like you look at the stand for example like you know that was i don't know i can't remember if it was first person for every character but you definitely jumped between chapters and perspectives mm. well frank herbert uses it in june doesn't he way. Frank Herbert uses that thought yeah. thing for a lot of characters throughout, all different characters. I'm a big fan of it. I think it's great. The inner monologue thing. I think it should be applied to other things. So I'm a big fan of maybe introducing it into pornography. I knew you were going to say I knew we were going to say it. Man, you've been trying to steer this there for <laughs> Job done. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. The... <laughs> So, is that you... why there's no cameras? Yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. Kid again. The, yeah. Um, so you got. So how did you find the eyes? So oh, this is Elmer Cantada and colours by Gabe Contreras, letters by David Lentz. Is that something that um, Zoop sort out, or do you go to them with the full package, guys? Mm. Um, we were actually with a with a publisher when we first started this book. Right. Okay, I brought Elmer 
to the project because you know i really liked his stuff I, I we saw him on twitter or x or whatever it's called next week and <laughs> really enjoyed his style um we knew the action would would absolutely suit it and then the publisher at the time brought the rest of the team in like gab and uh dave lent on letters um you know since then we've kind of taken it upon ourselves to get the book across the finish line so you know we brought in another letter um taylor esposito oh, yeah. and then uh you know we're still working with dave as well on, on other projects you know we love him but just happened to be that taylor was available and then the cover the colors were done by colin johnson who might he did the colors for um colin's night walkers which is okay. if you haven't read that you know definitely should good. should fix that because the colors are great the art by joe is great and you know it's colin's take on vampires so nice. uh, it's fantastic Brilliant. um yeah. but that's how the team came together so zoop because we've had jordan on the show he's a pal of ours but as i understand it zoop are kind of like a a crowdfunding platform plus aren't they so they assist in distribution do they supply editorial oversight and stuff like that do they or is that all down to you guys uh they didn't do that with us uh i mean right. the book is the book was basically done when we brought it to zoop okay. Uh, okay it just needs some coloring on the back half um but other than that the book is done and ready to go and just to, oh, nice. just to be quite clear, um, this is a is an eighty page sort of OGN sort of thing, rather than a, a single issue. We're talking a bigger story here, aren't we? Right. Yeah, yeah, it's about that. And you know, we intend on on putting in some really great uh, back matter, uh, which we've had some success with. Uh, you know, obviously all Collins books and Heathens. I really enjoyed doing the back matter for that. Um, and then for the deluxe, we're also going to include uh, four prose short stories that are original and take place in the copycat universe. So it's just more story. Okay. And are you writing uh, uh, one of those, each, uh, you know, a couple of those each? Is that how you, uh, have you already got those written? Are you got ideas for those already? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we take turns on which stories we want to tell and, and, and have some fun with it there. We're also, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but we're also offering a very unique, uh, opportunity to where supporters of certain tiers can have their selves added to the oh, copycat universe. Yeah, where I saw this. Okay. Yeah. We well, created a short story. Ways, sort of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> exactly. So you give us your name, whatever descriptive, you know, features you would like involved. Obviously, we're not trying to write a, or we're not trying to get uh, uh, a portrait painted because you can get commissions on your character as well. They're going to be likenesses, so people obviously have to accept that but you know we we find out what kind of superpower you'd like to have and and give you that power and place you in a short story that exists oh that's a dangerous game universe. that's a dangerous yeah. game what power would you like oh let's think visibility oh, yeah, visibility so time. yeah visibility is an easy one because you just give them a blank page i guess <laughs> yeah um but yeah that's i, mean, I, think I want everybody fun. to want that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> I encourage people to want invisibility as their power. And the inability to speak. Then we're done. <laughs> Sorry. I, have I have a ream full of blank paper ready to send out. <laughs> yeah, so, I, don't so, know if we I don't know if we can charge 200 for the commission for that character. But... 200. <laughs> the, uh, so why, why Zoop, guys? Because I know re of recent they've had Howard Chaykin. They've just, I think they've just announced Bob Fingerman, haven't they? They're, they're, they're really sort of going through some big names. Is what was the reason you guys got hooked up with them? 
Well, I've talked to Jordan for, for a while now. Um, you know, I've done a lot of Kickstarter projects and, and Jordan reached out and I met him at a couple of conventions and we've, we've talked about the possibility of doing some stuff together and, and doing some stuff through zoom or zoop. And, uh, I just, uh, uh, when when Heath and I started talking about taking this the crowdfunding route, I suggested it. Where I said, "Well, why don't we at least consider what Jordan, you know, what Zoop and Jordan have to offer?" And uh, and I think it's you know, look the more platforms and the more options that are successful out there for creators, the better. So I'm willing to try. Is know. this your first Kickstarter, guys, for both of you, or have you done them? Have you dabbled in there before? I have it, I've done Kickstarters. What have you kickstarted? Right. Sorry, Cullen. What is that you've kickstarted? Oh, I uh so uh the first thing I kickstarted was a book called Metro that I a graphic novel. I think I've done you know, I've done several single issues, you know, okay. single issues, a couple of graphic novels, a couple Oh wow, of so you're an old hand. Yeah. Yeah, I mean and, and you you know, you learn something new every time you do it. Yeah. Um, one of the you know, it was nice to have Zoop one of the things I like, or a couple of things I really like about Zoop is they are definitely a comic and graphic novel focused company. Yeah. You know, that's what they do. And then they help with, you know, various aspects of the campaign and, and get it set up. They do a lot of, a lot of that work. Um, and I like, you know, look, I'm, that's not me. I'm still going to do Kickstarters in the future. I'm still going to, I'll do Zoops in the future, but uh, yeah. it's, it's, I just think it's nice to have, it's an interesting time for it at the moment, Colin, and it's very sort of timely that we speak to you because I know probably just a few hours ago, Jimmy Palmiotti put a tweet out about how well, he's yep. been very successful with um, some of his projects and Amanda Connor's projects. But he says that six people had messaged him this week, six professionals who both, I'm guessing, have worked for Marvel DC Image about kickstarting their projects. Do you, do you see that as becoming a, a much bigger thing amongst people who could easily, both of you, I'm sure could, could go to a publisher and get it done there. Um, uh, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be big. I think there's yeah. be a lot of people doing it. Um, a lot of people, not just Kickstarter, but just crowdfunding in general. Mm, yeah. um, you know, I've said it now, you know, I do a weekly newsletter and the, the people that subscribe to it are probably tired of me <laughs> saying at this point, <laughs> The comic book publishers can't keep up with me anymore. Right. They simply cannot keep up with the stories I want to tell. And I have mm. no intention of slowing down. And okay. If that's the case, I've got to find outlets for my work. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've been talking to another publisher, you know, a, a, a small publisher that I've worked with on many things about really doing a lot of comic book work on crowdfunding and uh, tackling you know a lot of projects with crowdfunding things that publishers won't touch right now uh and i just yeah i think you're gonna see that i think it's gonna you're gonna see a lot a lot more uh creators doing it you're already seeing publishers turning to kickstarter yeah and, and crowdfunding I, th um, I think one of the interesting and we've talked about this on the sh show before is like we're going to see this sort of um shift of more like you say more professional sort of creators and stuff moving to kickstarter i think one of the differences uh like a professional like you have got like you say you've, you've got a history of doing campaigns um and we've spoken on the show about crowdfunding campaigns crowdfunding campaigns in themselves are work um there's lots of things that you have to think about you've got to deliver you've got to communicate with the people that are pledged on your book there's all of this stuff and it it 
almost like creators have got to be aware of that going into it haven't they rather than just thinking i'll go here because it'll be an easy way to get my book yeah because you do sometimes hear the horror stories of um some professionals going to a crowdfunder and the people are still waiting for their books and therefore oh, ab yeah absolutely there look i i also uh in addition to um doing several crowdfunding campaigns i'm addicted to supporting them good uh, yeah yeah I can't yeah. help myself. Yeah. But uh, I have crowdfunding campaigns that I've been waiting on six or seven years. Me too, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe more. And and it's, like I said earlier, I learn something new every time I do a crowdfunding project. And I've made so many mistakes mm. um, in the, you know, in the process. Uh, but, you know, hopefully those mistakes lead to me you know, figuring it out for next time and not, not, not repeating those mistakes. Um, and that's the other thing, you know, the, the, the folks that are rushing out there to do it, be ready. You're going to make, you're going to screw up. Yeah. Um, but you got to keep the, keep the eye on the prize. It's all about communication. I think. Mate, it's yeah. About yeah. Communication. yeah. And if you are, if you're communicating with your backers, they wanted to support you. If you're communicating with them and actually making the effort to get the book out, and they can see that you'll you'll be fine yeah you know that's that's a big part of it because things are out of your control are going to slow you down yeah on delivering yeah. those those kickstarters but or the big soon. the big question here guys is why why is why are we seeing a rise of professionals onto crowdfunding of all types what what's happening in the industry that that's a better place to do it uh, i i mean as far as what i can speak to i think a lot of it is the autonomy um, you know, some, some publishing deals are not fantastic for creators. Um, you yeah. lose a lot of your rights, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where you could maintain a majority of them doing it through a crowdfunding. Um, there's also the issue with a lot of publishers across the board, not paying right. the money mm -hmm. they owe. Right? Well, royalties so, just being very low sometimes. Yeah. Well, that too, yeah. right there, there are, there are publishers where maybe might be more difficult to see royalties than others but like not even that just even the money that you signed on the dotted line for a contract that you would be paid and there are publishers that can't follow through on that for whatever yeah. that sucks. right so if you're if you're gonna go and not get paid and not see any money for the work you're doing anyway why not put it on yourself right so <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah, point. yeah the yeah. more yeah. success you find through the create through crowdfunding that's entirely yours, mm, yeah. right? You get to walk away with that. And then you also control the media rights and yeah. you can take it to foreign markets and you can do all this other stuff. And you can also, if it's a very popular crowdfund, you could also pick and choose which publishers are going to run with it, right? Yeah. Because it becomes that much more viable of a sale to, to them as well. So yeah. th there's a lot of aspects to it. That... It's a much bigger open market now, yeah. isn't it? Thankfully. And it's, exactly. it's, it's an audience builder as well. Now we're now at that point where, you know, people have done so many crowdfunders that people will, will know they'll go to that crowdfunding platform, search for that creator. They've got that new book. They, they've got a dependable. reputation. Yeah. They're yeah. Dependable. Yeah. You know, it's people go to shop on crowdfunders now, isn't it really? Mm. Uh, as it's, a, well. it's a comic shop now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, all these places are a comic shop, aren't they, really, for us? Yeah, it's, you know, in, in the end, I think, you know, most creators feel the way I do. We just want to create something. Yeah. Yeah. Want. yeah. And, you know, maybe maybe you've got a story you want to tell that's a 20-page, you know, one-shot. 
and publishers may not publishers don't necessarily jump on the idea of a 20 page one shot yeah 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 uh, they're difficult they're a lot of work for them they don't necessarily bring in the amount of money they need it to make so take it to crowdfunding do it that way um i just want to tell these stories you know and, and other you know yeah publishing slates are full i mean if i sell a book to a publisher right now it may not be coming out until you know 2026 2026. oh mate yeah i work for a publisher and i can tell you now slates are absolutely years now in the future yeah they really are yeah for some people that just you know that just doesn't work Uh, you know for me for a lot of projects i don't want to wait yeah Uh, you know one of the reasons i really like comics i always have is this sort of sense of immediate gratification? You know, yeah, I write yeah, a comic, yeah. I start getting artwork. Readers can read it pretty soon. You know, it, it, there there was a rapid turnaround. That's not necessarily the case anymore. You know, it's it, you could be waiting for a while. So uh, I think it's just uh, it it it's part of part of it's that part of it's what Heath was describing about wanting you know maybe wanting more control over your ideas. Part of it's just doing ideas that a traditional publisher is not gonna jump all over. Yeah. Yeah. And we're moving it out of the diamond catalogue as well, aren't we? We're moving it somewhere that's perhaps more eyes will be seen. You know, who reads yeah. a diamond catalogue anymore? I, th- I think certainly um, sometimes we discuss prices. I, people know that I whinge about digital prices sometimes. <laughs> but, um, as we all do, yeah. But yeah. It, it's interesting because I, I'm, I, like if I see it on like the online store, your Amazon, your Amazon, your Comixology, whatever, I will rant and rave about the price of a PDF um, on that store. But if it's an individual or a solo or you know a kick, Kickstarter, I'm more likely to pledge a little bit more. A little bit more sometimes, aren't we? Be- yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to that that creator really and getting lost well, in the system somewhere. And the thing about these crowdfunding projects, when you when you support a crowdfunding project, you're not just buying something. Mm. You're contributing to that happening at all. I mean, yeah. you are taking yeah. an active role in the creation of of the project. And I think for a lot of the people that that's one of the reasons I back so many is I just I like that I like feeling yeah. like I'm helping someone create something, and uh, and it, it you know it's like you know when I used to go to conventions I'd say to myself I'm gonna buy something that I can't get anywhere else yeah you know or something like that, and and that's what I feel like I'm getting out of crowdfunding campaigns. These are projects I might not they might come out in the store at some point, and uh, but. You know, at least initially, there are things that you can't get anywhere else. There's an audience. You know, there's an audience that will have this book. Like sometimes, um, comics can be created in a vacuum, can't they? You know, whether it be in your lab when you're typing the script or your drawing board or wherever it is. And when it's out into the world and it's on the shelves, you're not quite sure whether it's lived, <laughs> lived or died, do you? Once it's out there, you're like, oh, yeah. you know, especially. I, I, I think. Go on. Sorry, go ahead. Go for it. Go for it. I was just going to say that I think a lot of what crowdfunding is bringing to the table now is the opportunity for it's basically a pre-sale model, right? Like, but Mm. the odds of you pre-selling something to a store are much slimmer than when you have an entire page laid out for this project, maybe a video and it breaks down synopsis and all this stuff, as opposed to half of half of a page of if you're lucky of previous, previews, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah. I think I think it's a lot easier to get people attached to dive into a project early when they can see so much more of it laid out for them as yeah. opposed to what you would get in that catalog. Mm, yeah. yeah. And totally and you've done like the that. right thing. You've got yeah. it you've got it done already. 
Yeah. That's the th that's the way you've got to approach these. You can't go in with just a few concept pages. You've got to have it pretty much done when you walk when you walk through the door, whatever platform crowdfunding you're on. I think. It's yeah, really. I've, I've done it the other way around, and uh, it never works out. It never <laughs> right. works out. It helps if you turn up and your book's almost done. If you kind of like you're pitching a book and there's nothing of it, uh, yeah. sometimes people can be a bit reticent about backing. Mm. Mm. Especially in this day and age where. Um, now that the crowdfunders are such that people are commenting on them and you know there's almost almost a social media going on within these campaigns yeah you, you hear the horror stories don't you or you hear oh, man, I'm you, on you a, hear the pros a, and the cons and i'm on a kickstarter that's i think six years old seven years old or something at the moment and it's almost like the comment section has become a community <laughs> <laughs> everyone yeah. like yeah. It's kind of yeah. trying to keep trying to be nice, but chatting to each other, you know. And then somebody will turn up and be nasty, and we're like, "All right, mate, calm down." Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. this like weird little group of people. Yeah. Imagine in real life, it'd be like an AA meeting. You sort of get in chair. <laughs> yeah. There's like coffee and donuts, and you stand up, sit around. <laughs> When's this comet coming? Calm down, yeah. mate. Calm down. Calm down. Have a cuddle. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as we speak, there are 18 days left of the campaign. How is the campaign for this one? been for you so far because you're over halfway now aren't you? yeah yeah you've you've crafted this story and now you're on the crowdfunding stage has that been has it been an adventure so far well, i think uh <laughs> i think for heath there was some stress <laughs> he called me and said i don't know what's happening uh <laughs> you know, the, the, the it's not moving and i was like well we're past day four <laughs> you know campaigns don't move very much yeah. after day four you know, it's, you know, I'm used to this. They're very big on the first three days, very slow yeah. on the middle 20 something days, and then big again in the last three days. Yeah. And, and so I think there was maybe some stress on Heath's part with that. Uh, even though I'm, I'm pretty sure I had warned him. I just don't think he believed me. And, uh, well, you warned me all the time about all of these things. And, and I, <laughs> I try to go in a little bit too optimistic and then I'm like hemorrhaging, uh, like halfway through the, 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 the middle bit the middle bit does you nothing doesn't it it really does that little middle bit in in a kickstarter really does your head in yeah yeah oh it does it's yeah it's, it's like tumbleweeds blowing across a desert but the tumbleweeds want to eat you and uh... <laughs> but to, to be fair jordan does put put it out there super are pumping it aren't they i keep seeing it we keep oh, reposting yeah. it and stuff yeah 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 so it's it's uh you know it's been doing fine i'm i'm pleased with where it is obviously you know, my answer is always I wanted to do better, but mm. uh, but I've been pretty you know pleased with how it's done so far. Good stuff, man. Yeah, right. I think we're about at. I think I don't know. I haven't looked at it for a minute, but I think uh, we're around the three thousand dollar mark. So we're well over halfway at this point. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Are you have you got any other other projects on the bubble at the moment that you can you can talk about each of you or that you, any, anything that's just come out you wanted to mention or anything like that? Um, collaboratively with the two of us, we've got Long Haul coming out uh, from Storm King, which okay. uh, I'm really excited about because uh, I'm a huge true crime fan, and that's that's what kind of inspired this one. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen anything about it, but no. you know, no. I had seen a documentary about Long Haul killers, and right at the beginning, it states facts, and this is in the synopsis for the book, but at any given time there are around 700 missing or, or murdered victims and 300 active serial killers across the united states highways 
right? right? So we're like, well, that's that's a premise for a story in and of itself. And this young woman goes missing on her way, her, her first day at a new job. She's on her way and her car breaks down and she goes missing. And these two blue collar brothers, Danny and Carl, uh, you know, after their father passes because the daughter's been missing for so long, the stress was just too much for him. They're kind of left with nothing else but to track down the truth about what happened to their sister. So they start working their way through this group of serial killer truckers that are called the nine. And this is actually a group that's based on a real group of serial killer truckers that existed. You know what I mean? But we kind of, we, we took each one and, and gave them their own kind of mode of how they kill people. And, and obviously they're elevated because it's a fictional story. So, you know, we, we, we go far out there and what they, what they do to people, but you know, it, it's a lot of action, um, some horror aspects to it for sure. What tone? Uh, what it, tone are you looking? At? Are you striking with this? Because like this could go over the top, splatter gore. It could be like real deadly serious, almost realistic tone. What What's the tone for this one? No, we went realistic, and and Colin can speak to you know how important it was for him as far as telling the trucker story. Um, but we wanted to keep it grounded. Like this could be two real blue collar guys. Yeah, you know, trying to find truth. Yeah, there are moments of of you know intense violence and and definitely a little gore but uh but it's not like a it's not a grind it, it it's not a grindhouse type yeah. of, of gotcha. okay. story but it it has a little bit of it it, it kind of walks that grindhouse line at, at mm. times okay storm king is the uh john carpenter company right is that yeah sandy king and john carpenter yeah 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 mm. yeah and you know it's um what was I gonna say? Uh, we we wanted to pay tribute to like Spielberg's Duel and okay. you know, Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive, and it was really <laughs> important for to have that kind of trucker. B- Bj and the Bear, too. another touchstone there for you. <laughs> hey, yeah. Listen, I think I pitched uh, a trucker that had a murderous uh, chimpanzee with him because. <laughs> <laughs> I was a big in the Bear fan when I was a kid. So, yeah. Uh, trucker, you know, uh, you know, I grew up in the era where you know truckers were. You know, you had you know you had movies like when well, you mentioned Duel and you had Convoy and Smokey yeah. and the Bandit and you know, all these great, these great trucker movies. And uh, and my dad was a big CB radio guy, and mm, yeah. you know, I had uncles who were truck drivers. So I wanted it to feel, you know, I wanted this. I wanted it to at least feel real in the world of trucking. Did you, did you go method and drive a lorry and kill people, or did either of you try that? <laughs> haven't you? Not for this project. No, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. good. Isn't oh, there yeah. a there was a Paul Walker film where him and his brother are driving? They yeah. start shit talking people on CB. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is memorable for one one sort of scene that you don't see. You just see people's reaction to it. Someone has their jaw ripped off. I remember. Oh that. Wow, yeah, wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mad Max Fury yeah. Road. That's a trucker movie. <laughs> it is a trucker movie. Different. A little different. A little it's, different. A little, <laughs> it's a little more. Uh, a, that's a little more apocalyptic than we we get to go. But uh, <laughs> okay, fair enough. But uh, you know, I saw a review of the book just recently, like just this morning, 
that describes the nine, our villains, as a convoy of ser- serial killers. And I was like, nice. that's a pretty great idea. I like that. I like yeah. that it's a convoy of serial killers. <laughs> Oh God! I mean, yeah, I, I just did an interview um, yesterday about Long Haul, and the guy was disgusted by the first few pages. So I was like, nailed it. Oh, I want yeah. to read this. Yeah, um... we need this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> job done. Yeah, yeah. Job, job done. And also, like, just it's the punchy name as well, isn't it? Just that's just says it all. I think. Um, yeah, love it. I... Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. and um, as far as other projects, you know some things that we've managed to do through hustle and heart have been really cool. Just, just as far as like working with people, like, you know, mm-hmm. we had a project with method man, which was a lifelong dream of mine. And and now we have projects coming up with Katie Sackoff from Mandalorian and Kristen Kruk from Smallville and Bobby Moynihan from Saturday night live. Um, you know, and these are just amazing people to be working with. They're all exactly what you would want them to be, you know, before you meet them and then to be conversing with them about creative projects and storylines and stuff. It's been a lot of fun. So, you know, that's stuff that we have in the works for 2024. Did you ever, did you ever think when you were in Barnes and Noble that like you'd be um, having that sort of conversation? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, to be completely honest with you, uh, kind of, because, you know, the first two shows that we sold, I was still a backroom manager. So, you know, and, and, I within a matter of an hour I put together a project um with James Manos who direct or who created Dexter for Showtime. Oh wow, nice. nice. one of my uh, favorites. Nice. Yeah. It, it was literally a matter of me emailing his agent, his agent telling me James wants to get on the call with you and I'm in the parking lot of Barnes and Noble talking to you know, the creator of one of my favorite shows ever up to season 5 at least. And yeah. uh you know, so and then who who'd have thought that it could happen? You know yeah, who'd I mean? have thought but one it's... one day you got to be on a um a podcast with three English blokes? Yeah. You know, <laughs> this dream, is, dreams, this, this, dreams this is the dream realized. <laughs> I, this I was the gonna do, I'm gonna have to rework my vision board now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's all downhill from here. So. Yeah. yeah, fuck all that, mate. You're done now. Yeah. 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 Spoilers, we're the top of the mountain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, though, um, yeah, what I love, what I love about this is um, for all the crowdfunding um, success and the creativity in the different projects, we just love seeing new great comics. And you guys clearly just get, keep making fantastic comics that we're going yeah, to keep wanting to read. Um, well, that's you know that's the you know, it's that's the name of the game. It's yeah. it's tough. You know, sometimes it gets. It gets overwhelming because I look at my, you know, the project I'm working on, or I'm talking to numerous artists about doing new projects, and I'm like, when is this going to come out? You know, I when do I? Yeah. How do I get it? You know, it, it's the challenge is getting it in the hands of the readers, and uh, and you know how you know how you do that. Yes, there are a lot of options now, but you know you have to balance all of that. So yeah. I mean, it's it's a fun challenge, but uh, but it's still. You know, it's still a challenge. I mean, um, you're yeah. also tr- you're working your way through a list of how to give people nightmares as well, Colin, aren't you? So um, <laughs> every every day, you know, some of the have you ever had an experience where you've pitched something to a publisher or a creator or whatever, and they'd be like, "That's too gnarly for me. We can't do that." Oh, many times, many <laughs> times. Um, I remember 
<laughs> years ago, I was working on a book for Marvel. I was working on a Carnage one-shot. Yeah. Not Carnage. We all know Carnage, right? Yeah, yeah. Right yeah. his name. His name is Carnage. Yeah. And uh, and I wrote, I wrote a scene, and the editor called me and said, you can't do that. It's too violent. It's too too gruesome. And I said, all right, I'll, I'll change it. I'll change it for you. No problem. So I rewrote that scene and sent it back in. And she called me and said, you made it worse. <laughs> okay, okay. Give it to me again. I'm going to, I'm going to give me another shot. I'm going to get another, I'm going to rework it a couple more pages. And I changed the scene to Carnage was like, in a he had just killed a bunch of people and he picked up a phone off a dead body and called uh, like hit speed dial or whatever and called the dead person's daughter like little girl at oh home. God. and <laughs> and for like three pages it was carnage just talking sweetly to this child <laughs> it's probably the and most the whole, terrifying part of the story and the whole time i'm writing it i'm just like she's not gonna approve this but i'm not stopping now yeah and, uh, and sure yeah. enough, she did not approve no, it. I think no. we went back to the original ending that she she's not the editors. But she finally gave in and said, "Okay, listen, you're just you're just screwing with me now. We're just going to go back to what you originally wrote." Yeah. What, what did you just shout fucking snowflakes and hang up? Is that how that worked? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I've written a few. I've written a few a few scenes that I've you know, or a few things that editors have come back and said, "Are you sure we're doing this?" And like, yup, and. uh and at the same time, though, I have seen pages. I've gotten pages back from artists, and I'm like, "Good lord, we can't do this in a comic." <laughs> I know I wrote the I wrote the script, but we can't do that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, I know when I I did a book called Hellheim with with the very talented Joel Jones. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a scene that uh, is in the script, and she she drew the hell out of it, and the editor called me and said, "Hey, Cullen." Um, I don't think we can do that. I don't think we can publish this page. Uh, I need you to look at it. You haven't seen it yet. I need you to look at it because I don't think we should publish it. And he sent it in. I was like, no, nah, we, we got to publish that. <laughs> wow. So okay. I had, we had a little bit of back and forth. Um, but yeah, that's the fun of it, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah man. With some of those scenes, though, from a, from a creative perspective, we, I mean, we talk about killing your darlings, you know, the things that you love, but you have to take out for some sort of reason. But we all love our ideas our ideas in their own sort of way if there is a, say that scene that mobile phone scene as, as you said it wasn't right for that book but you loved it is it one of those oh, I've got I'm, I'm going to store that and I'll use it somewhere else do you oh, do that it's, a lot? It's, it's been in the back of my mind ever since I mean it, mm. I, at some point some horrible creature is going to call uh, the now orphan child of someone it has murdered Yeah, I don't know when that's going to happen but at some point it will because it was it was a it was a it, what was great about that scene is there was no violence in it yeah it was just dark as hell yeah, yeah. it was just I, the darkest thing and i did listen i just wrote i just finished a script for a book i'm doing that's coming out right now called invasive oh that's the sur uh, first, surgeon book isn't it is, is that the, yes mm. yeah and i just turned in the final script for it not long ago and as i turned it in i said to myself this may be the dark i mean it, it's one of the darkest books i've ever written and the oh. ending is really gonzo disturbing dark uh and i i think they'll it'll publish the way it's written i'm not worried about that but uh 
I, I did as I wrote. I was like, oh man, Cullen, did you go too far this time? Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but oh well. Yeah. There's a pleasure in doing that, though, isn't there? Yeah. There's a pleasure in outraging people sometimes. Well, and, and it's not, you know, look, I, I'm not, I don't usually go for outrage. I don't want to outrage, you know, I don't want to write something just to outrage someone for outrage's sake. But they're horror comics. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes yeah. terrible things happen to good people in horror comics. Yeah. And, and that's uh, that's part of the that's part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it gets you invested in the characters, doesn't it? And something to overcome. But something that obviously we appreciate is you joining us for this week, gents, for this this show. And uh, Can I just seriously... say, I've looked up. Sorry to interrupt. I looked up Long Haul on Comicsology, and it's up for pre-order in the trade at the moment. So have yeah, a look awesome. at it there. Oh, yeah, nice, awesome. awesome. Yep. Uh, Invasive is also um, that's been on my list to, to read actually because it looks <laughs> very very disturbing. Uh, <laughs> so it's a yeah. dark one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, knowing some of the stuff that you've written, Cullen, I'll, I'm quite scared. Um, <laughs> but however, Copycat gives you that adrenaline dose of sort of you know mystery um, superpowers, and ER nurse is just being absolutely fucking awesome. So, character study of the yeah, art, yeah. honest in a way, isn't it? That's yeah. what the, the, mm. the heart of it is for me. Yeah. It's it's yeah. about her, which is makes it makes it so good. Yeah. So before we let you go, where can people find out more about this book and you guys specifically? Well, for me, uh, you, you can find almost every. You can get to everything if you go to CullenBun.com. Like I said, that'll get you everywhere. I have a newsletter that comes out once a week for free that you can subscribe to from that from my website. And uh, and you'll get you'll get the lowdown on all my nonsense uh, on the regular. <laughs> and uh, I'm at Heath Emodio on X and at Heath Period Emodio on Instagram because, like an idiot, I started a profile ten years ago and never used it, so I blocked myself um, <laughs> from having my. And uh, as far as Copycat, it's live now on Zoop. Uh, it goes till I believe February second. Uh, you know, so obviously anybody that that can check that out for us and and support that, we really appreciate it. Yeah, go go and check it out, and and gents, let us know, of course, in the future, anything else you got coming out, and, and we'll yeah, please do, guys, um, because yeah, sure. you're making good comics, and that's what this show's all about. And there you have it, folks. Good another, stuff. Good lads. Fantastic nice people. Chat. People who just want to make comics. Yes, we were we were quite excited because we've been wanting to speak, especially you, V, speak to yeah. Cullen Bunn for a while, mm. haven't we? Yeah, yeah, he turned out to be a nice guy, you and obviously share, we had shared interest in pornography, which was nice to hear. <laughs> Excellent. Shooting <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> links back and forth to one yeah, another. Yeah, sure, <laughs> I think sure. that's a lot of people's interest. I've just yeah, sent him but... a copy, a VHS copy of Shit Piss Fuck Three. Oh I'm sure you'll God, like. <laughs> that's not uh, real. N- no, that's, that's not, not real. real. Although I did actually uh, warn him that I'm going to uh, hunt him down for a future episode. <laughs> Yeah, he seemed right about that. He was yeah, all right. Yeah, he seemed yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we hope you enjoyed that. And we've got some plenty of great books to talk about in a minute. And some interesting sort of, some that bring up an interesting You've got topic a subject to bring up in yours, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Which I'm is... looking forward to this because you yeah. two have discussed this and I've been left out of it. That's why you have no way earlier, wasn't it? Now, the way Dan says yeah. it, it's almost like we left him out of the conversation. He just wasn't in the Zoom call. When we, he couldn't have an eyelash. That adds drama. It does. It does. Yeah, it does. Uh, speaking of uh, things that make people go, 
Do we have any shout outs? <laughs> I've got I've got one. Well, it's a double one, really. So we had a drink and draw, a bit of an impromptu one on Friday, which is really good. Um, nice to everyone turn up. But during it, our buddy Al Henderson finished his last ever penned Gwyn live during the session and got a round of applause. Yeah. How nice is that? I can I add to that? You probably, you probably won't hear it because of the microphone, but I'm I'm clapping. There you go. I don't know what it is with Zoom, but it cuts out stuff like that, doesn't it? I, We've I had know. it before. Yeah. Um, and so running on from that be ready go go to kickstarter and sign up for the final penguin kickstarter penguin presents the bell um if you sign up early i think there's a chance he's got 10 commission slots you can get in on so go and sign up and it'll let you know when when the um, project drops and you can get in there early and get on these commission slots so it's always great penguin it's always good i always read it in the downstairs lavvy it's always a good place to have it. other other there places uh in your house are available. Yeah, you can read it wherever you wish. Yeah, yeah. and and you will enjoy it when you read it. Oh, do you know when I'm, I'm, when I'm, I'm pinching I'm, off King Kong's finger? That's when I enjoy reading it. Do you, do you know what? You're going the right way about getting edited out of this show. <laughs> um, <laughs> one more step along that path. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't edit me all out because I talk over you all the time. Yeah, that's, true. That, that, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're on the same audio track as Dan. So. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, do we have anything else, gents? You know I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to mention it till next. No, I will. Lawless. Twenty fifth and 26th Literally, people on the Slack are now going. What's lawless as a joke? Double, yeah, double tree by Hilton Hotel, Bristol. There you go. So that's the mention of that. Some people uh, may not actually know because this might be their first episode. Might be. True. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Lawless is a comic con that celebrates uh, 2000 AD, amongst other British comics. And you can go to lawlesscomiccon.co.uk and find out more about that. There you go. Well uh, done. We've had. I've got. Give a shout out to Moth Hill. She's wonderful. A Mothman yeah. horror comic series. Oh yeah. From uh, our friend uh, Joseph Oliveira. That is going great guns. He was at a con this weekend. Oh, was he uh, a megacon? Was he yeah, megacon? Yeah. It's kind of one of those cons. I only find out uh, when people yeah. post photos. I only realised when I saw a load of weird people on the tube on Saturday. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah, we were talking. Obviously, in that interview, we talked about um, crowdfunding and reputations and people that have built up an audience. Uh, Joey and Afterlight Comics are just uh, a perfect example of someone that's gone from strength to strength. Yes. And they just, like, if you like horror as well, get on Afterlight Comics because there's something for everyone there. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. We've got uh, Jazz, Juggernauts Against Zealous Zealots, Chapter 0 and 1. Some rest and relaxa- relaxation is just what the members of Jazz need or what they think that's what they think uh, so that's crowdfunding now kickstarter that's uh smash for its target we've got another whole month to go on that one 23 days so okay. go check that one it's kind of uh, a manga inspired action adventure what what do they call it when it's for young men is it shoujo what's the the term Sh- shonen is it shonen shonen is it there you go i don't know i could be completely wrong well Please. this goes to illustrate how little i know about uh manga uh, <laughs> apart from occasionally reading it yeah, yeah. and I think this one more quick shout this was posted up in the stack and Tony mentioned it last week but uh, Green Archer Comics greenarcher.io oh, yeah. uh, it's, it's a fantastic webcomic there's a couple of pages up already I really enjoyed it it's, it's such a really lovely visual style on that one it, it really appeals to me and when you click pages it slowly blurs in and then sharpens up the page which is a oh, fucking nice. lovely transition effect nice love it Nice. So uh, I like think my eyes that's, do. Uh, that's me. I could oh. swim in. I could swim in your eyes. 
But right, but right now I'm going to listen to you talk about comics because it's time to recommend some comics to you lovely people. If uh, we're done with the shout-outs, yes? Yep. Yes. May we? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh, you're getting ready for your yeah. international trip. <laughs> <laughs> hey. International man of mystery. We're sitting uh, there with Mr. Russell and Mr. Clark eating mandolins. Mandolins? Mandolins? Like the instrument? Yeah, I'll be dancing about mate, playing a mandolin and eating a madeline. Oh, that's a lovely, that's a lovely soft cake, that. Uh, <laughs> Soft cake. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Sorry, it's the sponge though, isn't it? They're the, they're the sponge cakes, aren't they? I think they are little spongy things. Oh, aren't they? lovely! Yeah. You can are buy you... them in those big pa- those little packs. Right. Tony's going to get them. Very French, is it? Tony's yeah, going to no. get them direct from the source. Not very. Brilliant. He's going to pick them from the fields. That's how that's how they're grown, isn't it? Just the, the mother Madeline moves around the fields like dropping off her young. Tony <laughs> runs up behind him, snatching them up like, as they hit the ground, yeah. like a hungry Jack Russell, just <laughs> <laughs> like Sharknado eating a chicken. <laughs> Jesus Christ! He killed a pigeon in the garden the other day. Does he? Story? Fucking blood and feathers everywhere. I'm still finding feathers everywhere at the moment. Oh God, a little bastard. Yeah. He's a cute bastard, though. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of cute bastards, Tony, was, do you want to start off <laughs> recommendations? Start off, talking about, let's go back to high culture and uh, highbrow comics, shitty stories from Tom <laughs> Hayden. Um, the cover sent, of this is amazing. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, I'll yeah. show you earlier. Sent all the way from the US of A, um, and he sent some other books over, and we've got to split them up. He sent a lovely note attached saying, have a fight over these. So I've got one for each of you as well. Um, it's presented by Spread Love Comics with an X, which is was one of my anthologies of last year. Uh, which was a lovely find of mine, not mine, they they existed long before me. I didn't discover them like Indiana Jones, but I did come across them at SPX, and they're a lovely bunch of people. Very good. Um, you may recognise Cam by the name Lance Goiter on Instagram. Um, we I reviewed one of his books, kind of say about a year ago, called Submit or Die, which is on Comic House. Really fun underground. And it's, it's genuine, authentic underground to me. We're seeing this quite a lot recently. I was having this chat with Falpy the other day, there's a lot of people who are claiming to be underground, and it's not. But this mm. is. 100% this is. Um, this So the newest one we've got is a black and white collection of short stories. Uh, many of the themes of um, raspberry tarts or opening the lunchbox and doing the top of, top of a bottle of ginger beer, uh, shooting a bunny, um, orange bananas, and my personal favourite, trumping. For those in America don't realise, trumping in England actually means farting. What strange yep. instance that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bad smells. Yeah, the first story is uh, called Ring Peace. Um, and there's Sorry. a couple. <laughs> I might have to mute myself, carry on. <laughs> there's a couple sitting in a restaurant called The Fancy Meatball. And each side of this title are two meat. Just don't know why he's done two next to each other, but quite attractive. Um, and they're having the perfect evening. And the point comes in the evening when they decide, oh, we'll have a dessert. And he's trying to, he's saying to the woman, why don't you have a dessert? And she says, well, I'm quite full up. I don't know if I want one. He says, go on, just have a little dessert. Just have a little dessert. And the waiter comes over and he goes, uh, he's a bit he's a bit snooty, the waiter. And he says, what can I get you? And so we'd like a dessert. Um, can we have the cupcakes? And he says, uh, but sir, we don't have cupcakes here. And he's winking. The, the dude's winking at the waiter going, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. And he's saying, no, we don't. No, we don't. And then suddenly he spots some schlubby bloke across the restaurant who's eating a cupcake. He says, that bloke's eating a cupcake. And he goes over and he says to him, that's my cupcake you're eating. And it turns out what he'd done is he baked his grandmother's engagement ring into the cupcake. You know, like a romantic gesture yeah. to propose to his girlfriend during the meal. But the dude swallowed it. 
So in the grand tradition of underground comics, oh god, he takes the bloke back with him to his house and sifts through every poo he does to try and find this uh, this engagement ring. And I won't ruin the end of it, but it doesn't go well for the bloke. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So that's the that's the first story ring piece. Um, it's one of my favourites. Is a shorter one called The Finger, and um, a dad invites his sort of weird boss-eyed kid. You know that classic dad joke of pulling your finger and you fart. You know, yeah. yeah. This is one you why don't you pull pull my finger? And this weird kid starts pulling his finger, but he won't stop pulling his finger. And uh, the kid says, "Daddy farted his soul up to heaven." <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we've all been there. Yeah, it's just fucking great. Um, there's one of my favourites. is just a one pager actually, right at the back. It's called Old Pictures. I sent you a panel from this earlier on the uh, yeah. on the WhatsApp. And there's there's this old lady, and she's got her hair tied back. She's just a bit of an old hag. She's got a warty nose, you know. And this kid runs in with holding this book entitled Photographs. Granny, Granny, look what I found. And and he and she says, oh, "What's what's happening?" He says, "What is this?" He says. And it's a book of photographs of Granny from years ago. And Granny looks at one. And he says, "That's your old Gran eating a live rat. Made myself damn near fifty whole bucks for that one." <laughs> and she says, "That could buy a gal a lot of crank in those days. A full trunk load if you played your cards right." And I'm not talking the trunk of a car. And uh, and she looks at another one. And says, "That's me helping a fella take off his own nose. And not in the war, mind you. That was when we called it an alley job." Brings back memories, all right. Ha ha. He screamed like a little bitch. And this kid's face is getting worse and worse and worse. And then the final panel is her looking at them and she says, and look at that. It's your grandpa's arsehole. I used to call him the hirsute galoot. He was such a handsome man. And that's the story of old pictures. That's nice, isn't it? Isn't that nice? That's a uh, story of true love, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) These just great. Like, really good. Very readable. Um, Lovely, strong inked line. Um, Solid characters dark grotesque disgusting and you know the way underground comics they make you think about someone you see someone and then they just take it that step further don't they sometimes and he does that superbly readable very funny you can find cam on instagram at lance goiter l-a-n-c-e g-o-i-t-e-r lance goiter uh order his comics um you can find the links to that or you can go to lancegoiter.bigcartel.com he's done keeping my day job submit or die which is one we reviewed about a year ago and Oddballs of Country Music, Volumes 1 and 2. All great. All really good. Um, very much um, the sort of creator who is very much in line with the stuff we're doing at Tribute, for example, and Spread Love Comics and these sort of guys, uh, and some of the underground movements in America that are going on. This this guy fits perfectly into that sort of stuff. But uh, and go and find anything by Cam, and, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it, and it'll raise a smile. We were, I was certainly giggling about it earlier, weren't we? So. Yeah. There you go. Nice. That's my first one, guys. Um, my first one is an issue five of a comic. This is a solo oh. comics an- anthology okay. by Edison Neo. This is no brainer. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No brainer issue five. Um, Edison, friend of the show, and um, w- one day we are going to be talking about how on s- how someone snapped him up, and uh, the world is raving about him because we saw him first. No, <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, Edison's uh, comics anthology, uh, no brainer. Which I, he was working on a project that sort of fell through, so he went back to making comics, yeah. comics of his own again, mm. and continued the stories uh, 
for instance, Thumgard, Final Mission, Chapter 5 is in it, issue, issue 5. I've got this. Good there, stuff. There yeah. is you get a load of extras with it as well, don't yeah. you? Yeah. You get yeah, a load yeah. of prints. Yeah, I've got some prints. Uh, three prints which um, sort of work next to each other. They're almost like, you know, that classic X-Men number one sort of cover. Yeah. If you put them next yeah. to each other. Um, there's a, um, a story called Spin Move, um, which is uh, Colours by Wem7. Um, and The Ballad of the Goat Farmer, Colours by Corey Ransom. Um, the rest of this book is is you know one man band Edison does it all himself. There's a wonderful uh, quirky grandpa character that sort of uh, as the bookend of the story. If you want just great comics, just um, whether it be sci-fi, big sci-fi monsters, there's some there's some heartfelt stuff. Spin Move is was a really great tale, a really short tale. Yeah. Um, that sort of reminded me when Edison was on the show and we were talking about books. Um, I remember him talking about sports comics and stuff, and they were like there was like MMA fighting books. Do you remember that when he yeah. was discussing? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Spin Move really brought to mind. You know, it felt like it, it's a really good sort of five-page short story of sort of a, a girl basketball player, and it's just brilliant wonderful it'll bring a little tear to your eye at the end i think it's just really I, nice when i first got it I, I flipped the book open it went to the ballad of the goat farmer there's like an action yeah. sequence reese and I, I was like fuck me this like it seems like edison neo is like taking another massive step forward with yeah, uh, yeah. his skill set it's just wonderful stuff edison I, I, yeah i mean all of it it's it's really good you can see um like their influence and in the, in influence the daniel warren johnson sort of kinetic yeah. work there's a double page spread in that story of just like a martial arts fight um but there is storytelling in it it's not just because act- yeah. act- some people when they do these sort of double page splashes they look nice but it's art it's just having fun isn't it and sometimes the story gets lost in that have you ever found that when there's yeah. so much so much action where's the story um whereas there is great storytelling in this and he likes to um hand like play with the sound effects as well um and there's a page that just says the goat reveals its horns which is just fucking awesome um uh, <laughs> i know a lot of our listeners will be on the edison neo, neo trains since snake claws and they have mm. backed all the other issues of course um in the future there'll probably be more of them but um and you can get issues one to four because for instance thoom is like a if you jump into that you know, you can immediately sort of pick it, pick up what's going on, but Thumgard's just a great tale that I think he's he's got to collect at some point, hasn't it, into his own book because it just works so well. Yeah, um, yeah. If you go to uh, the shop link at linktree.com/slash/neocomicart, you can get uh, all of the, those comics. Issues one to four of No Brainer and Snake Horse. Um, and... Click his patron as well because that's yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, good. And when he does these sort of crowdfunding ca- campaigns, he always does commissions and stuff. And no joke, um, people have p- clearly cottoned on to the sort of stuff he can do, um, because he'll post on online the artwork, and we've seen some Yasagi Jimbo, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff. He done a Berserk one, which was fucking oh, awesome. Berserk yeah. one, right. yep, yep. And you see these ones, and I just think. I know he, okay, no. he's yeah. done he's done some covers for Turtles, hasn't he? I think. Did he do a Yashagi um variant cover as well? Yeah, he did. I, yeah, I bought that issue. Um, it was good. And yeah. uh, I just think, come on, someone just sign him up for a full time gig on one of these books because we forget about it. But yeah, mm. no brainer. Loved it. 
Um, that's my little shout out for that one. Dan, what have you got? I've got kind of, I've been, I was still reading the old Faithfuls. I went back and, uh, well, I finally got it, Transformers issue four. Nothing and there was that. like There was loads of people saying like, don't spoil the issue because there's one big bit in the comic, Ooh, which okay. I'm I, I saw people post up on various I've got I've got a couple uh, of issues to catch up on this and I will catch up on it. So. But I was sort of dismayed at the end when like I read in, there's so many more issues that Daniel Warren Johnson's on the art and then he's stepping back. He's still writing it, but someone else is taking over the art duties. So I was like, Oh fuck, okay, and I'm gonna to have to look that guy up too. Yeah, I, th- I still think I still keep reading it, but mm. the the energy Danny Warren Johnson's bringing to the art is it the really first time kind of... he's has, has he written for someone before? I don't know. I don't, I don't know because normally he does it mm. a lot of himself, even like the Wonder Woman and things like that, wasn't it? it was, mm. uh... I'm not sure. He's yeah. got that the Space Mullet collection coming out in oh, summer. They're God. packaging that together and bringing that out. Yeah, so I'm gonna keep an eye on that. To get that, yeah. Uh, I, I was late to the fucking party with the uh, Adam Phelps electric chair, as in. <laughs> oh, you've the, got to fill out the thing. I've got you? to fill out the Kickstarter form, and like literally after over Christmas, so it's like there's literally no point in fucking posting that. So I got that for him, read that this week, and that's this fucking anarchic fun from. <laughs> it's not tribute, is it? It's, no, it's just him. No, yeah, that it's one. just yeah. uh, powerfully on his own. He's in Amsterdam at the moment, wandering around, getting oh, himself in Christ. trouble, I dare say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a whole sequence at the end with uh, Jimi Hendrix. And it's a lovely little <laughs> full page where he comes out at the end. And it, it, I, I've said this before about uh, Adam Fouts and all the tribute stuff. It like really feels like that underground stuff that it, it, it's legit, genuine. It feels like Thank that, you, mate. That's, that's what we're going for. Yeah. yeah it's, it's I, lo- totally I love the that. start of Electric Chair where he just, it's just him. But being Adam, yeah, just made me laugh. <laughs> if you know him, you know that's exactly what he's like. Right. Okay. Yeah. It literally every move he makes, every thought he takes, is just to take the piss. Yeah. Which you got to admire in a human being. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. Uh, can't go wrong with that. You recommended me uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man issue one. Oh mate, yeah, I really dug it. That's fucking yeah. awesome. So surprised. Yeah. You know, I know a couple of people that I trust, like Mark Abnett had said, no, nah, give it a go, Tony, you'll like it. And I did. And yeah, he was right. I loved it. I mean, yeah. it says a lot when we, we talked about it off air, but, you know, I trust these men with my <laughs> recommendations. Come, come and read it. Just, of... just solid comics, man. Yeah. I'd turn around to my wife a couple of times because she kind of like knows it from like cartoons and the old films and the MCU stuff. And I was telling her, she said, oh, that sounds good. Like, send this up. Oh, my God. And turn the page and then this happened. And yeah, it's this character. Oh my god, Chichetto's great in it as well. I, I do like Chichetto. So I remember his Punisher series. I absolutely adored. Mm. Yeah, it kind of it plays on your preconceived knowledge of these characters and how it all plays out. So you okay? Well, this isn't this isn't right. What's no spoilers. No, no spoilers, Vince. But he they open a jar at the moment. At one point, you go right, right, okay, yeah, yeah. It's... Literally, they open a container and it, it, everything solidifies. Yeah, yeah right. okay. Very inter- very interesting. Can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah, me too. So, uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll be on. Yeah, I've stuck it on my board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Good. Do you want to go next, Tony? Okay, so my final one is "Traveling to Mars," um, written by Mark Russell, artist um, Roberto Mali, colors Chiaro De Francia, edited uh, David G G Kaki, published by um, Ablaze. I read this as part of my comics, global comics reading. I'd, I'd actually seen a couple of people saying how hot this is, how cool this book is at the moment. It's, it seems like it's a bit of a hot book, and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll have a look for this. Luckily, it's on Global Comics. 
six hey, issues there you go. out already read it straight away um I, I rolled through all six issues in one sitting absolutely brilliant awesome. i'm a fan of russell's writing i think he's an intelligent writer i really do like what he's doing um issue issue one which is what i'm mostly going to talk about 22 pages although if you get the digital copy it says 36 it's because they have um a preview for another issue in the back of it so don't think it's going to be 36 but you know when you're reading digitally you never know do you um but as you scroll through this you think 20 36 pages where's this going where's oh it's just ended because it ends like two thirds into the comic but because just be careful of that so roy livingston is a he looks like he was in a folk rock band in 68 and lived in the valley he's a kind of looks like that when you see him and he self-narrates again we're talking about that in a monologue that self-narration thing yeah. first person thing that we had um and he remembers being told at school that he wasn't college material he's a divorced man and up until a one week ago he was the, the manager of a pet store in alabama and he's there's some lovely writing in this some really nice writing at one point he says i'm not the hero of the story nor any other that's just a lovely line that i just really like that line in there um so he's on a spaceship traveling to mars um but up until a few days ago he was running a pet shop or working in a pet shop in this town in alabama and he suddenly he's famous now and and the the story sort of slowly unfolds as to why he is famous now and what he's done and he sits in the spaceship and he writes his he's writing like a diary and he's quite good at sketching and he's sketching the faces of people he's remembered um and he's writing his thoughts down he says people are little more than the walking accumulations of regret and you you slowly see what's happening you really do it doesn't over the six issues there's no like big you know we get this in comics all the time at the moment on the first issue we get this massive info dump and then yeah. issues two three and four fail to live up to the promise of issue one because mm, they yeah. seemingly have just dumped all the ideas there but it um turns out there's been a robot rover you know on those sort of um robots they dump on mars and venus all these sort of places and this robot's discovered massive reserves of gas on mars that could save earth now earth is really in the shit at this point I think it's 2048 off my head something like yeah 23rd of june 2048 and earth's really in trouble because he's got no energy left so they approach roy and the reason they the roy is approached is because he's got inoperable lung cancer and he's only got a few months to live and he has the sort of lung the sort of cancer where being in zero gravity gravity might help him it might make him survive a bit longer but this is a one-way trip which is a great story idea but it plays into so much more he's considering killing himself he's and he, there's a there's a couple of sequences where he thinks about how he was going to do it and he has actually considered you know he's gone to the point of standing on a bridge he's gone to the point of for example buying a rope or something like that to hang himself and um they've said to him if you do this we'll give you your your fam your family won't want for money um they'll be set up for life um you'll you will survive a bit longer because the 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 concept of being in zero g and stuff in space is going to prolong your life enough all we want you to do is for this massive company is to get this spaceship to mars get off video yourself planting a flag and then you'll have two weeks to live and you'll die and it's just this really interesting concept now that makes it sound quite um heavy doesn't it if i put it that way but it's done with a sort of sense of humor there is a genuine sense of humour. He's not quite the... What was that book we read years ago about the 
the loser and he's just he keeps trying to do drugs all the time but he's the only person who can save the human race do you remember oh, the one scum, scumbag. Uh, scumbag scumbag he looks yeah. he looks a little bit like him but it's nowhere near as you know in you know it's sort of broad as that but you could you could sort of sense that he is now there's there's three main characters in this there's a lot of flashbacks that go on and he communicates with this scientist on back on earth which is an, a really interesting aspect of it but for all intents and purposes there are three characters there's him and then there's Leopold and Albert, who are the super rovers who live on the spaceship and basically run the whole spaceship for him. And they're they're really interesting as well because they are these um like um silent they're like sort of silent running kind of robots, little robots running around, you know. And they don't speak until issue three. You don't get them speaking because they were only turned on um when the spaceship took off. So they the only human they've ever seen um is um is Roy. And but they're self-learning robots. They learn things and they begin to develop language. They begin to, and they, at one point, one of them has to go into the, the outside of the spaceship because someone has left a bomb from another company and he has to go out into the outside of the spaceship and pick this bomb up and, and deactivate it. And it, it, this robot gets blasted out into space, but makes it back into the spaceship. And the, the robot's scared and won't come out of his room for a week until Roy and the other robot have to sort of coax him out and hold his hand and hug him and it's, I dare you not to like these people I dare you not to just absolutely love all the people in this book there's another there's another aspect with this so something's going on on earth so there's um he communicates back with earth like every few days or once a week or something and there's a couple of things that happen there's the big CEO of the company who does actually seem like a kind of decent bloke and he's got an ex-wife, Roy, and they're trying to get Roy's ex-wife. And this woman appears on the screen. And he said, the, the CEO says, I found Roy's wife. And he, this blonde lady walks up and he's like, I haven't seen her for like 10 years, my ex-wife. You know, really, she was the love of my life. And we get this sequence about their love affair. And um, the woman just looks at him and says, I'm not your wife. We've got your wife hostage. Blow the ship up now or we'll kill her. And you think, that what a fucking twist. Yeah. Yeah, that is so yeah. good. Yeah, excuse, excuse me. This is going to contain a couple of spoilers, but I think the sort of general vibe of the book is is, is maintained. But the and this sort of goes on, and all these little twists and little turns keep coming up. But there's this other guy who's a scientist, and Roy's a fairly simple guy. He plays guitar. He plays guitar in a metal band. He works in a pet shop. He's you know nice guy, but there's nothing special about him. He's probably not particularly well educated. Or but there's this scientist who turns up, and they have these discussions about big ideas. You know, the nature, what really means, what is time? You know, what is space? How do you feel about this? And he he strikes up this real friendship with this scientist who he begins to trust, which is which is absolutely really interesting as well. Um, at one point, Roy says, I regret ever getting cancer, ferrets, or erections in church. You know, so there is a sort of sense of humour about it as well. I do like you, which warms you to any character, doesn't he? We, we're interesting. Interestingly, we were warmed to someone who shows a sense of humour sometimes. And each issue has, in a way, you can see the way Russell is working the themes in each issue. In, in the first one, there's a lot about mortality, which is where the suicide stuff comes in, the cancer comes in. The second one's about family and love, and love of all different kinds. And the third one is about legacy and memory. And it goes on like that. You can see these themes appearing as each as each issue comes along. Um, the art's really good. I'm, I was trying to think who I could compare the art to. Maybe some of the um, later burn stuff when it became much more caricature-y, maybe stuff like that. Um, I'd say the robots, there is a de definitely a parallel to some of the robot stuff we're seeing by Pi Par at the moment. Um, they're, they're definitely, 
definitive robots on trolleys and you know there's no they don't have human faces but they have a real personality to them which i think is an art form in itself doing that um very bright they're inside the spaceship the spaceship you feel is a real world because things like he says the lights don't go off so i have to wear this hood over my head to sleep and he can't sleep sometimes and the robots get up and they all watch they all watch movies together on the couch and yeah absolutely brilliant it's my first um 10 out of 10 this year wow but record keeping book oh fantastic um if you've got if you've got global comics you can read it as part of your subscription if not it is available on comiXology i think it's six issues out i'm probably going to get the trade as well but it's called traveling to mars by a blaze cracker absolute cracker there you go nice my second one okay the last book to talk about this this week is uh the issue one my issue one of the week which is adventure man ghost lights issue one from image the creators of this uh, script is by Matt Fraction. Uh, Adventure Man was created by Matt Fraction and Terry Dodson. The art is Terry Dodson and Rachel Dodson. Colours, Terry Dodson. Letters, Clayton Cowles. And designed by Leonardo Olea. Um, there was two covers. It was seemingly one by from the Dodsons, uh, which is the cover I've got on my digital. And Joshua uh, Swaby. Now, this is um, the reason I, I bring this up. Um, I, this is an interesting topic for me. Um, some of you out there may have a history with Adventure Man. You may have read the the first series, um, and it says in the synopsis for this new story arc starts with that. When the good guys of the Golden Age come back, all their ghosts follow. Now Claire, the new Adventure Man, and her maybe beau Chris, the new cross draw kid defend peace on earth from a phantom empire of crime this is a very interesting book for me one i will do i will do the prose first looks gorgeous i mean the color i mean the, i've read this man as well the, the, i agree yeah, with you beautiful yeah. book yeah. the the dodson's are just an ex exquisite art as always so he, he pencils she inks and then who's yeah. on colors on this man i forgot did you say um the colors i'll just uh read that again yeah. uh, the colors uh terry dodson terry dodson oh okay because the, the colors are a big part of the art in this yeah. aren't they yeah um and obviously the cover i mean i love the cover i was sold on the cover anyway um there wasn't too many real issue ones that sort of captured my attention and that's part of the experiment of me doing this 52 issue ones is just like seeing what's on the shelf for want of a better word um seeing what captures my attention and an issue one cover has to work harder than some of the rest of its covers let's be honest um we've talked about the covers of issue ones before this one has no problem it's a beautiful cover and i was like that looks like a great fun time that's the one with the big bum in the camera <laughs> there's a bum in the camera but there's lot lots yeah. of uh yeah, attractive ladies. There's someone on a flying bike. Um, there's, there's all kinds of. It's it's already got that sort of sold. Retro, it's almost got that sort of golden age feel to it, anyway. Um, it's a, it's got that pulp feel to me. Yeah, it's a pulp yeah, book, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I had no history with Adventure Man and the first series. This is issue one of two, by the way, which is another thing that um, I'll bring up in a second. Now, the book looks gorgeous, beautiful the the writing and the script it's you know very professional there's there's witty dialogue you know there it it sort of moves at a pace it's, it's crackling dialogue um and certainly it is of the nature of of what this book is so i can't really fault the creators 
but I did not know. This is for an issue one. Not a Scooby Doo. And I did not know what <laughs> what the hell was going on. Um, and for me, that's that's a problem because it feels when you do that with this sort of book, with this sort of character, I th- I think a lot of independent uh, characters. Uh, feel free to disagree with me, by the way, everyone out out there. But when it comes to independent characters, mm. um, they people do not have the shorthand for this for for who they are for what this is you know um i read the synopsis and the synopsis was pretty short in itself so even that isn't you know we i complain sometimes that synopsis tell too much that one almost told me almost nothing so even if i read that i mean i would have flicked through this book and thought beautiful gonna buy it anyway do you know what i mean if i saw it on the shelves um but can said, i uh, pipe in it because yeah, i, I totally agree when, when you said to me I've got an issue with this earlier. We were sort of yeah. chatting about what we're going to know. And I immediately thought that it might be that. And then you confirmed it. Yeah. Is that I, I read the first few issues of the original series ages ago and I liked it. You know, it's good. It's a, yeah. it's a pastiche on, they get the tone. Know, right. they, they, and, yeah. They get the tone. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and, and then, and, and I went to read this cause you said, I'm, oh, you're going to read it. I thought, I'll read it as well. Cause yeah, it's nice to hear you talk about a book that I can recognize visually, you know, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. And, um, I, I read the first few issues of the original series and I didn't know what was going on. In it, fact, I, to such a point where I didn't go on, I sort of gave up because I was reading it on Global Comics, so it wasn't costing me anything extra, although I might put a bit more effort in. But I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, I'm just going to look at the art. I love the art yeah, here. Yeah, I'm just going to okay. scroll through and look at the art, yeah. It opens up on a scene of peril. Classic sort of pulp sort of uh, opener. Uh, the, the hero or heroine is hanging upside down, captured by a villain. The villain's doing a monologue. We know where we are, that sort of thing. There's nothing to tell us what this is um we even like for for decades and decades you spider-man had a little paragraph at the top when peter parker was bitten by a radioactive spider yeah all the yeah. all the all the regular readers they knew that they didn't need to be told it but you never know who's going to pick up a book and doesn't know anything this this is a very well-made book but not for new readers and right. as an issue one, you are that that can't that can't happen, can it? Because you, you you are putting your audience in a bubble. This is only for people who enjoyed the first series and have just read it. Yeah, and I can remember it. I mean, how many yeah. comics do we yeah. read? I can't remember. No. What's happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? And there seems there seems to be high concepts going on. I you know I got an idea of what things were, right? But I but as a reader, I had to work to get that idea of like. Okay, I think I know what that is, but it's a it's a book that expects you to know. Um, I, I read it as an art book, man. I mean, Dodson's hmm. peerless, isn't he? Dodson is much yeah. admired by professionals yeah. and, and and us fans, and he's he's brilliant. And yeah. I read I read it as a, just a beautiful art book. To be yeah. fair, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Dodson <laughs> was very much sort of like uh, in that Adam Hughes class of you know beautiful covers, but. You know, you, you see a lot more Dodson interiors, don't you? And like, you just, do, yeah. I mean, to be really fair, well. if you look him up on the Marvel app, it's nearly all covers recently because yeah. he's probably doing this, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And there's like there's great designs of like it's all about ghosts, and you can see people, and you can see the skull underneath their faces. You know, just just like the inky way of doing it. You know, you, you can't you can't fault. It's strange to talk about this book and say you can't fault these bits, but it's a it's at fault. Um, right. And I thought it was for I thought it was going to be a longer series. I didn't realise it was two issues. 
and the way this so it feels like this story's going to wrap up in a sort of like big bombastic action scene kind of way and then it's done but as it stands i don't know who that's for apart from like you say tony go for the art and and stay for the art do you know what i mean yeah um i mean they're doing they're doing the classic doc savage thing where yeah. The main character, it's in the first series, it's a man, and then second series, it's I think it's his daughter who takes it over. I can't yeah. remember now. Yeah, see, so shows I can't remember. Um, and then, but she's got like a team of specialists. Yeah, with she's, her, in, she's inherited. Know. She is the adventure man. That is, yeah. um, yeah, okay. she's, got, she's got that moniker. She has become the like Tony says, the new Flash Gordon. Do you know what I mean? It's like someone took over yeah. that, or or someone becomes the shadow. You know that kind of thing. They, yeah. They've taken over this moniker. They just happen to be a different gender, but all the all the pulp action and everything is exactly the same. Um, they've inherited it, and there's there's probably interesting things that you can be done with that. I haven't read the first. Another one of my issues is I haven't read the first series, but this first one disconnected me so much that I don't think I'll go back to read the original. Uh, that, okay. And that's that's an issue, isn't it, really? You know, yeah. I, I should read this and go, how did I miss out on that first series? Come on, did you, you know, devour them all now. Let's get the books. Let's find out where we are. Yeah. Um, so it makes me think, you know, what what is this book for? I hate saying that. But it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a little style of a substance in a lot of ways for me. Yeah, very much so. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, that, is it new? Is it this miniseries? This is just this has come out January twenty twenty four issue. Oh one. right, came oh, out weird. this past week. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, why it's it must have uh, dropped on Global Comics same time yeah. then. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's there's lots of different characters. There's lots of uh, dialogue and interaction going on. I under <laughs> it's strange to say I understood a lot of it and yet didn't know what was going on. It, it's a real. Um, well, it deals a lot itself. in cliche, doesn't it? It deals yeah. in um, cliches we've seen before. But that's, but the, that's the that's yeah. the beauty okay. of yeah. that's the beauty of modern pulp books, though, isn't it? If you if you're yeah. doing those homages, well, Tom Strong did it. Look how Tom yeah. Strong did it. Yeah. They yeah. Play that's it. Great, yeah. great book. Yeah. yeah. So um, the original series may be quite good. I mean, the, there's probably people listening that were big fans of that. Um, I think that this one doesn't work as an issue one because I'm also doing the, the whole one of the points of this like 52 weeks of issue ones is to see what are the strong issue you know what works about an issue one i'm reading stories in a completely different way because of it which is fascinating like when i read the preview of copycat i was reading it with that this book has 20 pages to let me know where i am do i want to keep reading you know what does it tell me it did copycat does a better job with that than this book does <laughs> if i get the feeling that um the writer is just playing to the artist's strengths yeah and it's not really directed at a new yeah. reader at what yeah. it should be yeah i th yeah. Do, do you know what my this is going to sound weird me saying this as well um i wouldn't necessarily have these criticisms if this was issue nine of an ongoing series it's weird isn't it yeah 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 um i i, I would expect to go in thinking okay i don't really know where i am but it's an ongoing series so mm. know, i think i was my... pissed off a little bit more from the point of view that it's only this mini series that's on Global Comics, the OG series isn't on there. Uh, really? Okay. really, it seems like a bit of a mistake. Yeah, yeah. You definitely need that kind of like helping hand then with the reader to sort of yeah. getting him into this because yeah. otherwise you're like, man, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not as if this was a single character. There's like 20 characters yeah, in this book. Yeah, 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 yeah. But and and I 
am stupid. I need to be told what Adventure Man is because the book doesn't tell me. Um, and if it's issue one of essentially like a, a mini adventure. And it is, that's all it is. It's a pulp book. It's, it's, it's like, it's not, you're not reading Ayn Rand, are you? It's, yeah. it's meant to be fucking fun and yeah. bouncy and simple. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, yeah. that's the point of these sort of books. Yeah. And maybe it could have been done if there was just a little panel on the inside cover, just sort of saying, you know, in 1944, when this was happening and this happened, someone found an ancient gem, blah, blah. And that's not what this book is. But at least I would have no reason to feel lost because I, I would have read that and thought, oh, I get, I get what this character is. Um, so it's fascinating. I mean, I, I would. Um, the reason I put it in the recommendations because I'd like to know what other people think of this. You, I mean, if you get it, I'd recommend it off the back yeah, of that man. Yeah, me, if if you, you know. get it, you're going to see a gorgeous looking book. You're mm. going to see a gorgeous looking book. Um, and but I'd be I'd be fascinated to see what people think, knowing nothing about it, because I haven't really said any spoilers about the action and what what happens here. There's a whole plot and different characters and. And I could follow that. It's just that I was following something of something I, I didn't truly understand, which was okay. the problem. So I won't go back for issue two on this one. I'm going to state that. Okay. Straight up. You're gonna um, you're gonna publish a little uh, a little list with a little summary. So, yeah. You should put it on the Slack, shouldn't you? Just say yeah. these are the books. This yeah. is what I kept on with. This is what I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Because certainly, I, um, for instance, I got issue two of Bloodrick um, to read because um, that came out last week. Um, I haven't read that yet, and love love the first issue of that. Cool. So you know, fascinating. But let us know what you think, and let us know what you thought of this week's episode, everyone. We hope you enjoyed yeah. it, and everything that we talked about, whether it be crowdfunding, horror, um, crazy books, or of of all kinds. We want to know what you thought, or if there's anything else that we should be checking out. And there's several different ways you can get in touch with us. You can email us awesomecomicspod at gmail dot com. Follow us on social media at awesome comics pod on instagram and at the awesome pod on twitter <laughs> uh, or x whatever you want to call it i just zoned out i knew you yeah. got it covered yeah. there <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, thank you for listening to us whether it's on the website awesomecomics.podbean.com if you listened on apple Podcasts, subscribe leave a nice review it helps get the word out about the show and all the creators and books and events and everything that we try to highlight every week and if you listen to us on other networks, like Spotify, you can leave comments and uh, reviews on there as well, and five-star ratings and stuff like that. There are other, <laughs> rat- other ratings available, but Apparently. We, only, we only respond to five stars because we have weak egos. Um, <laughs> but please, <laughs> but please, uh, we really appreciate it, actually. All jokes aside, we really appreciate yeah, we the feedback. And uh, likely you listen to us on another network, like Amazon, Stitcher, Podnose, Podnose. What are the networks we're on, Tony? We're on the network that uh, refers to afternoon telly, and we're on the specific one, Pod TV, inspired by the TV series Gash in the Attic. Why did I try to take a drink when you... <laughs> that was one of the most foolish things I've done in quite some time? Yeah, he knows me. Yeah, um, <laughs> Gash in the out. Attic. There's almost a spit take. Quiet, Tony. Um, <laughs> where can people find us online, etc.? Tony. Neverwriteanything.com every Wednesday. Go over and have a look at um, my little thing I do every week, talking about the best and worst I've read each, each week. And also there's another artist roundtable coming on NIA very soon. Oh, bro. Did he do another NIA today? No. I don't think oh. so. I put a, um, I put a post out. Yes. Um, uh, okay. Sort yeah. out, yeah. Dan. Oh. Sorry, yeah, sorry, I mean a post on the website. <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah, yeah, not a podcast, but I put a post out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah nice. nice. Where can people find you, Dan? 
you can find me on Twitter or X uh, at Vanguard Comic, and you can Vanguard at VanguardComic.com, which should be starting anytime now. Nice. So go check that. Yes. It's only the update stuff. I do spend a bit of time getting readers up to speed, yeah. like that previous comic should have done. <laughs> Dan, Dan's out loads of amazing art. The whole, moments ago the whole of Vince's yeah. recommend there was just so Dan could say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we planned that. Yeah. So, um, you can find me on social media at Jester Diablo. Thank you very much to our guests this week for joining us. Yeah. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for listening, wherever you are in the world. We hope you're enjoying the re- the comics you're reading because that's what it's all about. We're all here to enjoy yeah. the medium, whether we're making mm. them, reading them, or whatever. Because if we don't enjoy it, then the medium will disappear, and we're not going to let that happen. So we're going to keep no. telling you awesome comics to check out. That was. The pun wasn't intended there. So join <laughs> us next week where we're going to have some more fun and talking about great books that you need to check out. And probably there'll be... It'll go off the rails fairly quickly. You know it does, but especially yeah, well. this time of night. And from uh, Dan, Tony, and myself, the three people that love you very much. Huh. Huh. What three people are those? Yeah, you heard. I'm not even getting... Everyone, look, the listeners know you. You heard. Me. You heard. <laughs> I don't know what happened to me there. Um... <laughs> Have a brilliant week. Read loads of comics. Recommend some comics that you think your friends will like because that's how a following usually grows, I think. And uh, as always, well, what should they do, guys? Stay awesome. Stay awesome. Brilliant. See you next week. See ya. See ya.